Hosea chapter number one, starting at verses number one, Hosea one and one. If you have your Bible or your electronic device, let's make our declaration of faith lifted above your head. Somebody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. And my life, come on again, and my life, one more time, and my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. You look fantastic, Pastor I. Can we bless the Lord for my lovely wife? Book of Hosea, chapter number one, starting at verses number one. The Bible declares the Lord gave this message to Hosea, son of Berai, during the years when Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah. And Jeroboam, son of Johash, was king of Israel. And this is the word of the Lord, verse number two. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. Bless us today, Jesus. So Hosea married Gomer, daughter of Diblam, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. God, I want to thank you once again for this opportunity. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, let them be acceptable in your sight on today. I thank you and I praise you now, hiding myself now behind the cross that men may not see, give honor, glory to Greg, but all glory, all glory goes to you, Father. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, amen. I want y'all to just kind of walk with me just for a moment. I want to take my time and really just uh, minister the word that God has placed in my heart on today. It's interesting because this particular uh, text that I'm getting ready to minister from um, has been challenging to me for some time now. And what I like to do, I believe that man shall not live by bread alone, but by, somebody shout, every word. Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So the word that you don't know is the area that the enemy gains ground in your life. So if you're going to be well nourished as a believer, you need the whole counsel of God. Not just New Testament, but Old and New Testament. Not just the Psalms every now and again, but you need to know some of the major prophets, minor prophets, historical books, so forth and so on. Amen? So I want to start here. In the book of Romans, chapter number 10, verses number 9, there's a very powerful yet simple scripture that many of us as believers, we have, we have committed to memory. And sometimes you can be so familiar with the text that you actually glean over some of the treasures in the text. In the book of Romans, chapter number 10, verses number 9, the writer declares, NLT, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He says, if you will declare Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, in this particular text, there are two components of this text that equates to salvation. Number one, there's actually the believing of what Jesus did, that he died, that he rose again, that God raised him from the dead. Somebody shout, I've got to believe. You've got to believe, but by the same token, there's another component of this particular text that we often kind of glean over. And it's not just believing in the historical event of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, but it's also declaring him as Lord. Somebody shout, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. 
Now, a simple definition of lordship is one who is in charge by virtue of possession or ownership. Tim, I'm good, my man. It's one that's in charge. And if you, are in, or if you are saved, if you are a believer, that means that there was some point in time in your life that you not only believed in the passion, in the, in the death, burial, resurrection, but you allowed him to take ownership. You let, him, you let him in the driver's seat of your life. Has anybody done that in this place? So, if I be honest with myself, I, I did that fun years ago. I believed in Jesus. I allowed him, Brother Jones, to be the Lord of my life. But since that time, there have been some times where I have uh, opted to get back in control. <laughs> uh, there, there have been times when I said, okay, I got this one, God. <laughs> Anybody ever got mad and you said, I know vengeance is mine, Lord, but use my hands and my feet, Jesus. <laughs> right. So there have been times when, when I was in my flesh, sometimes I was angry, sometimes I was upset, and I wanted to do what I wanted to do. But then there were times, it wasn't because I was angry, I was upset. It was because I didn't understand where you're going with this one, Jesus. So let me do what I know to do <laughs> instead of putting me in an uncomfortable position to trust you to do what you want to do. Anybody ever been there? So that's the kind of... Uh, that's the kind of situation that I want to address on today. And so this is what I did. I highlighted a couple of illustrations of lordship where God tells a prophet or a man of God to do something real strange, and he obeys. I looked at, first of all, the book of Jeremiah. This is interesting. Chapter number 13, verses number 1. The Bible declares, this is what the Lord said to me. Go and buy a linen belt, okay, and put it around your waist, but do not let it touch water. So what does the prophet do? Jesus, God, if you're Lord, I'm going to do what you say. So verse 2, so I bought a belt as the Lord directed and put it around my waist. Cool. Then the word of the Lord came to me a second time. I'm cool with that. Take the belt you bought and are wearing around your waist and go now to Pirath and hide it there in the crevice in the rock. Cool. So I went and hid it just like God told me to do. Verse number 6. Many days later, the Lord said to me, go now to Pereth and get the belt I told you to hide there. So I went to Pereth and dug up the belt and took it from the place where I had hid it. But now it was ruined and completely useless. So verse 8, the Bible declares, then the word of the Lord came to me. This is what the Lord says. In the same way, I will ruin the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. Now, pause there for a second, because if I'm Jeremiah, I'm like, couldn't you have just told me to tell them that? So you mean to tell me I got to go spend my money and buy a belt, put on a belt that I really don't even like, it don't even match the shoes that I got going on, and then you want me to go hide it, dig in the earth and hide it, and then come back days later to see that it's ruined just so you can give me a message. Somebody shout, that's strange there. Here's another situation in the book of Ezekiel. Chapter number four, verse number four. God speaks to this prophet and he tells him to lie, watch this, on your left side for 390 days. <laughs> and when you're done with them 390 days, I want you to flip over and lie on your right side for 40 days. 
And while you're lying there, what I want you to do, I want you to prophesy to the city so that they can hear what the word of the Lord is. Now, if I'm Ezekiel, I'm tripping because why I can't prophesy standing up? Why I got to lay 390 days? What's going on with this? And, and, of course, this foundational text, this is really crazy. Oh, my goodness. In the book of Hosea, chapter number one, verse two, God speaks to the prophet and he says, go and marry a prostitute. Now, it took me a minute. I'll be honest with you, Pop. I just didn't want to teach. I didn't want to preach this. I didn't. And, and, and I'm wrestling back and forth. I, I tried to go to a couple of other scriptures, but God just wouldn't let me go. So I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to understand this because I don't like the fact that God told somebody to go marry a prostitute. So I started looking at all the theologians who argue against this idea, saying that it's an allegory, that it's a parable, so forth and so on. And what I re- everything I read was a bunch of smart brothers not making sense at all. So when I look at the plain reading of the text, God really does tell Hosea to marry a prostitute now. Now, let's back up. Now, I did find this, and it helped me a little bit. Not a whole lot, but it helped me a little bit, that that. He's not unequally yoked because she is an Israelite. <laughs> she, she a loose Israelite. But she is Israel. So he says, Hosea, go and marry a prostitute. And the Bible declares, he says, okay. <laughs> Verse number three, she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. I'm like, you know what I'm saying? Lord, if you're going to have me to marry a prostitute, don't let me have babies by just in case this thing don't work out. Because <laughs> she's going to be looking at her brother for some child support up in this. Come on. <laughs> you cut my time in half. I get a check from you and from them. So the Bible declares that they start a family. She becomes pregnant and she gave, somebody shout, she gave him a son. Then verse number six declares, soon Gomer became pregnant again and gave birth to a daughter. Now, hold on now, I'm scratching my head. Go back, put verse number three on the screen again. Put verse number, screen, uh, verse number three on the screen because three says she became pregnant and gave Hosea. Everybody shout Hosea. She gave Hosea a son. I put six on the screen. This, the Bible declares this time she just gave birth to a daughter. So... This girl, we're not even sure if it's Hosea's or not. (laughs) Then we get to verse number eight. Uh, She again became pregnant and gave birth to a son. Not Hosea's son, just a son. So if I was the prophet Hosea, I'd be like, God, is this baby mine? (laughs) You don't want to tell me to do this. Is this child mine? And this is the way God speaks to him to reveal to him that the boy is his or not. He tells Hosea in verse number nine, and the Lord says, name him Lo-Ami, not my people. God says, name the boy, not mine, because it ain't yours, my son. Oh, my God. Somebody shout. That's tough right there. So I'm tripping in my head. 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 God, you're going to have to help understand. You have to help me understand this. 
because the word says you told the prophet to go down there and marry a prostitute, raise up a family. The first boy was here. The second girl is questionable. The, the, the third child, the boy, we know for sure that ain't his. Why in the world? My God, y'all ain't ready for this, but I'm going to have to say it. Anyway, why in the world would you allow this prophet to go through this? And this is what God said to your boy. Before you speak my word, I want you to feel my pain. Before you speak my word, God says, feel my pain. My pain is, I love somebody who don't love me. My pain is, is I provided everything that she needs. But she leaves my house and sells my body to other folk to get stuff that she already got at home. And men of God, I'm going to need you to minister a word to my people. But before you can speak to them, I want you to be able to feel the pain of what I feel so that you can accurately give the word that I'm giving to you. <sighs> so here's the word after his experience. Hosea 2b, tell her to remove the prostitute's makeup from her face and the clothing that exposes her breasts. Take that off. Tell my people, otherwise I will strip her as naked as she was on the day she was born. I will leave her to die of thirst as in a dry and barren wilderness. When she runs after her lovers, she won't be able to catch them. She will search for them but not find them. Then she will think, I might as well return to my husband, for I was better off with him than I am now. She doesn't realize it. I was, she doesn't realize it was I who gave her everything she has, the grain, the new wine, the olive oil. I even gave her silver and gold. But she gave all my gifts to Baal. But now I will take back the ripened grain and new wine I generously provided each harvest season. I will take away the wool and linen clothing I gave her to cover her nakedness. God says, I want you to minister to my people, but before you speak to them, I want you to feel my pain. But watch this, God is not done with the prophet. In order for you to rightfully feel, in order for you to rightfully speak my word, not only do you have to feel the pain of my heart, but you need to feel the passion that I have for my people despite the pain they cause me. So here is the next situation, my prophet Hosea, that I want you to entertain. I told you to marry the prostitute, raise up children, and I watched her go in and out of your house and finally leave your house, leave you there with the three babies, two of them that don't even belong to you. You feel the pain of what I'm going through, but now I also want you to experience the passion. So this is what I want you to do, man of God. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, do you want to be a man or woman of God? Do you, do you want? Some of you are like, not that one. No, Lord. Not, not that one, Jesus. Then the Lord said to me, go, despite what she's been in, and love your wife again. Even though she commits adultery with another lover, this will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and 
love to worship them. So I bought her back. Now, this is crazy because not only is she, was she in prostitution, she is now in slavery. So it's not like he just going to one of the local little shops and saying, hey, come on, Gomer, let's go home, girl. No, he has to go to the slavery block to buy his wife back. So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. Then I said to her, you must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. During this time, you will not have sexual relationships with anyone, not even with me. He says, I'm going to give you some detox time. Hosea, go get your wife and bring her back into the house. Not only do I want you to feel my pain, I want you to feel my passion. And after you feel my passion and my pain, now I want you to speak a word to the people out of the experience of what I've allowed you to go through. Here is the word of the Lord, chapter number 2, verse number 14. I will, God says... I will win her back once again. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. She will give herself to me there as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from her captivity in Egypt. When that day comes, says the Lord, you will call me my husband instead of my master. I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. I will be faithful to you and make you mine, and you will finally know me as the Lord. Now, y'all rock with me just for a second. So I have people keep coming up to me, um, and I've, I've chosen... Uh, to opt out of it, not to get into it, you know, back and forth, what my position, what my stance is on Facebook and social media and all this other kind of stuff um, until now, okay? So the question is, um, what you think about the Will Smith, Chris Rock incident? <laughs> Some of y'all been waiting. So, these are my thoughts. Uh... I know what it's like to be both men. I know what it's like to say something, whether intentionally or unintentionally. I know what it's like to say something, to trigger somebody. I understand that. Done it before. But I also know what it's like to be sitting innocently and something triggers you. You do something that you regret. Back it up and say it within context of what you're preaching. I know what it's like to experience the pain of receiving an embarrassing moment because of something that you said, but not only do I know the pain of the moment, I also know the passion that God skyrockets your career and ministry despite the embarrassing, painful moment. I know what it's like to experience the pain of backlash because something that you did But I also know the passion of humbling yourself, watch this, and God redeeming the time despite what you did that was painful to other people. So what I've chosen not to do, what too many people have done, is they have literally polarized their ministry to either Chris's side or Will's side. 
And as a believer, you can't afford to just be a Denzel comforting, watch this, Will Smith, when you also have to minister to a Chris Rock. And the only way you can minister to both is putting yourself in their shoes and experiencing, watch, watch this, both the pain and the passion to minister to each of them. So this is what God has been dealing with me concerning for the past couple of weeks because I thought this message was going to be for my ministers, those in training and those that are already uh, are stretching out in their giftings. I thought it was going to be for y'all, but God says, no, this is good for everybody because in the hour that we're in right now, watch this, God is getting ready to pour out a spirit of evangelism like we have never seen before in our generation. I'm telling you, the harvest truly is plentiful and the laborers are few, but God is getting ready to raise up some laborers. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm one of those laborers. But this is what you have to understand. The true push behind your ministry is your pain and your passion that God has allowed. Somebody shout allowed. That God has allowed you to go through. God has been intent. Some of y'all are like, I don't know what to say. I ain't got nothing to say. Baby, you got a whole lot to say. When you look back over your life and you, when you realize what God has allowed you to suffer and not just allowed you to suffer, but the love and the passion that he's given to you, the pain and your passion pushes you to talk. Say it plainly, Pastor. Your mess, come on, somebody, is your message. Your misery is your ministry. You look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I got something to say. God allows this prophet to suffer both pain and passion because I want you to be able to effectively communicate the message to the people of God. But the only way you're going to be able to effectively communicate is that you've got to have my experience of what I'm feeling, both both the pain and the passion. And I'm telling you today that God has already been preparing you for this moment. Somebody shout, I'm already prepared to speak. Watch this here. In the book of Luke, so powerful. Book of Luke, chapter number 22, verse number 31. The Bible declares, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. So Jesus is speaking to the disciples, but he's he's particularly talking to Peter. The devil has asked for you that he may try you, that he may sift you as wheat. Verse number 32, very disappointing in my estimation. Jesus says, but I prayed for you. Now, I'm tripping because if Jesus tells me that the devil is coming, I want Jesus to say, but I'm going to stop him. But that's not what Jesus says to him. Because even Jesus understands in order for you to rightfully minister the, the message on the day of Pentecost, you need to, yeah, you've been taught by me for three and a half years. You've received my power. Yes, you, you've been downloaded instructions over the past years. But in order for you to rightfully do what I want you to do, you've got to have both the pain and the passion. So what the devil is going to do, I'm going to allow it. But I have prayed for you. What you pray? I just prayed, Peter, that your faith fails not. And when you have turned back, when you're converted, I want you to strengthen your brother. Now watch, watch Peter. He replied, verse number three, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death right now. Somebody shout, I'm ready now. Jesus said, no, you ain't. 
because your education won't be enough for you to do what I need you to do. Your training, just because you read, just because you can quote all these scriptures, is not enough for what I want you to do. The thrust behind what I want you to do, the type of ministry that I want you to have, it's mixed with both pain and passion. So you need to understand the pain of failing, but not just the pain of failing. You need to understand the passion that I have for you despite your failures. Mark chapter number 16, verse number 7. Between this time, Jesus, watch this, Peter, he denied Jesus three times. Said, I don't know the man. I don't know the man. The last time he started cursing and cussing. I don't know the man. Scripture teaches last denial. Jesus locks eyes with Peter. And Peter leaves out bitterly weeping. And from that point before his death up until after his resurrection, I can imagine Peter feeling the sorrow and the pain of knowing that I betrayed him. Because Peter... You're going to be ministering to a bunch of folk that have betrayed him. Matter of fact, you're going to have to witness to some of the same soldiers that crucified him. So you need to understand the pain of betrayal in order to minister to somebody that's a betrayer. But not only do I want you to experience the pain, watch this, of this ministry, you also have to embrace the passion. In the book of Mark, chapter number 16, verse number 7, after Jesus was risen from the dead, the two Marys came to visit the, the, the tomb of Jesus, and the angel was there. And the angel told two Marys to go tell his disciples, everybody shout, and Peter. Specifically, watch this, generally I want you to tell the disciples. But specifically, I want you to mention Peter's name. Why? Because Peter knows pain but I also need him to know passion, that this redemptive thing that I'm getting ready to do, not only is it general, but it's specific. Despite your past, despite what you've done to me, I still love you. So on the day of Pentecost, when everybody is up mocking what the disciples are doing, Peter stands up with his bold self, not only having the word of the Lord, but having the foundation of both pain, watch this, disappointing God, passion, receiving the love of God as the thrust to minister to the people of God. So the reality is, thank you, Jesus. Some of y'all are sitting there, Pastor, I hear what you're saying that I got to tell somebody I need to share my testimony, but I'm not really sure if I have anything to say. Hmm. Every, every message, every message, this, this, is, this is for, in particular for the ministers, and this is what I want to say to you all. Um, Every time I preach, I'm going to do my best to actually exegete the text. Exegete. Explain what the text is actually saying within context. Not just extrapolate or eisegete some thought that I want to insert into the text. No, I'm going to do my best to explain exactly what it means. The power of the word that I bring is always mingled with my experience of how I relate to that particular word. If you ever preach a word and you can't see yourself in there, in the text, you might want to go to another text. So every time I stand before you guys and I minister a word, it's not just because I want to expose myself. It's not just because I want to share my business. And I'll be honest with you, there's a whole bunch of stuff I share I don't want to share. But I know in order for me to effectively communicate 
it has to be based on both my pain and my passion. And it's hard for me to watch this minister out of that pain and passion without talking about it myself. And many of you all, you compliment me, or many of you all, you say, Pastor, I really enjoy your message, when the root of my message is something that we both have in common, pain and passion. There are certain things that God has specifically on purpose allowed you to suffer, and then there are certain things that he has brought you through to demonstrate his love, to demonstrate his passion, and these two elements are the foundation of what he wants you to say to your neighbor, to, stay, to say to your family, to say to your co-workers, so forth and so, forth, so on. Are y'all with me in this place? Pain, pain and, and passion. Pain, pain and passion. Pain and passion. Pain. Everybody shout pain and passion. Pain and passion. That's good, Pastor. That's good. So I pose the question to God. If this is what you want us to do, yes, understand the story. Yes, understand the text. Exegete the text properly. Minister the text within context. But the foundation of what it is that we're ministering out of is the fact that I, I married Gomer had these three babies, and yet despite what I went through, you told me to love her anyway. You made me experience both pain and passion. What stops people from really reaching out and sharing the message from their pain and from their passion? It's called shame. Shame. And the very thing that you are ashamed of, is the very thing that God wants to use to bring about deliverance in somebody else's life. Shame. Shame of what I had to go through. Shame of what I endured. Shamed about what I said. Shamed about how I responded to what they said. And because I'm shame, I hide what God has done in my life. And while you're hiding what God has done in your life, there's somebody sitting next to you dying because they desperately need to know what God has done in your life. So watch this. God tells, watch, 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 watch. God tells prophet, marry a prostitute. He marries her. They start a family. Seem like it's good. God, working this thing together for my good. Won't he do it? Right? Until she steps out of the marriage and has a daughter. But I'm not sure if whether this is my daughter or not. I don't know. She kind of looked like me. I don't know. She white, but you know, she got my nose. I don't know. <laughs> you understand? But the next one, she has, God tells me specifically, this is not your child. Matter of fact, Naaman, not mine. So here it is, I'm married by the command of the Lord. Think I'm gonna be happy with this family. But she starts stepping out, have two kids outside the marriage. And then after having two kids, she leaves the house. Leave me with three kids. Two of them ain't even mine. I got to raise them like they mine. Because y'all mama and them gone in the streets. 
She's so far out there, she winds up in slavery. She ain't out there now because she wants to. She out there because she, somebody else owned her. And you know what? I made up in my mind. God, I heard you, and I ain't going back on what you said. I ain't going around telling folks. Because I told the people, I to, listen, I, I, I want to testify. God told me they married a prostitute. And I told people, and they watched me. And now they're judging me based on what you said. But you know, it's okay. God's going to work everything together for my good. I've accepted the responsibility of being a single father. I'm just going to raise these three babies by myself, and they're all going to grow up, and they're going to be young prophets and prophetesses and priests and all. Y'all going to be great Israelites because y'all daddy is here, and I'm going to take care of you despite what your mama. And then God come talking to me again. I want you to go get her. Now, that's funny because I can't get her. She ain't mine. No, I want you to go pay for her and buy her back. Now watch this, my wife gone, now I got somebody else looking at me. Come on, y'all, come on, I got somebody else looking at me. Y'all finna have a new mama. <laughs> I noticed, didn't know anybody but the brothers clap. All the sisters like, where you going with that? <laughs> I ain't even looking at my wife. <laughs> y'all finna have a new mama. But God said, no, no, go back and get your wife, buy your back, bring her into the house. Yep, mama home. And it's gonna work. She ain't going out there no more because she's been drugged through the mud enough. Now she knows that I had it better here than I did out there. So let's fast forward 10 years later. Laomi is 12, 13. He's 13 years old. That's the youngest. So the other one, 14, 15 years old. Then my wife, it's been 10 years since we've been, you know what I'm saying, been through our little ordeal, and we actually doing good. I don't want to tell nobody what I went through. Look at you and Goma. Y'all look so good. Y'all so cute together. Y'all cute. Can you just imagine 10 years later, their Facebook profile? Little Laomi, you know what I'm saying? He 13 years old, so he think he the man now. You understand? Goma got on this, got on, got on a little dress. Hosea got on his prophet suit, you know what I'm saying? And they take it, they, 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 post, they Facebook a profile picture. Looks like a perfect picture. And Israel is looking at them like God has been good to y'all. He good to y'all. Y'all ain't never had no problems. I, watch this, watch that. I wish my husband was, no, no, no. I wish my wife was like yours. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> Do you really wish your wife was like mine? Because I look at y'all and y'all just got it all together. Matter of fact, I prayed that prayer. God, make my wife more like Goma and, she, and, and her husband praying. Lord, and she praying, Lord, make my, make my husband more like him. And they have no idea. And matter of fact, matter of fact, 
finna leave her because he comparing her to Goma now. If I had a woman like Goma that'll respect her brother, I'd be somebody up in her. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if I had a woman like Goma and he finna leave his house to go find him a Goma. This couple pop would be so blessed if Hosea would say, let me tell you the story behind the story. Let me tell you the reality behind my Facebook profile picture. See, it's been 10 years now. And Laomi's 13 years old, and, and my other kid is 14 and 15 years old. Have you, have you noticed? You probably, don't, you probably hadn't noticed. You probably hadn't noticed, but uh, uh, the, my, my, my girl, she, she got my nose, but she white. I just thought she was light-skinned like that. No. Goma black. <laughs> you, you probably, probably hadn't noticed, but, but my, my, my wife... My, 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 this, this, this Facebook picture that you see, it ain't what you think it is. That, that was a time, that was a time when I met my wife and, and she thought I was getting ready to pay for her. But I came in and said, no, I don't want to pay for it. I want you, Period. And she said this was a good deal because I ain't got to do this all the time. And so she came home for a little while and it was good. And then she got herself curious. <laughs> I'm trying to... I'm trying to be able to minister to Chris and Will, you know what I'm saying? Just, just right there. And she went out there, got two babies on me. And God told me to love my wife anyway. And you mean to tell me you trying to leave your wife to find somebody like who my wife is now, not realizing who she used to be? So let me minister to you, bruh. Love your wife for who she is right now until God makes her into who he wants her to be. And I'm telling you that there are some Hosea and Goma testimonies sitting in these pews right now. And there are people all around you at work, on your job, in your neighborhood, in your community, in this church, dying because they need to know not just the pain of your experience but they need to know is there a passionate moment is there a deliverance moment is there something that God's going to do is there something that God's going to say despite the pain that I'm going through right now somebody shout I got a testimony the question is will you allow the shame of your past to stop you from telling it 
And I feel you. I feel you. No, I don't just go around just blasting. Hey, 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 everybody, I used to be this and everybody used to do that. I ain't, I ain't talking about that. But I'm telling you, are you willing when the Spirit of God pricks your heart to say, share, share it? And I've seen some of you all the past couple of days and so proud. Man, my heart is so proud. Some of you all put, put some things on Facebook, some testimonial things that was just really, really encouraging. And I saw some of the comments under it. The people were saying, I needed to hear this. Watch this. I never would admit it that I struggle with this, but I'm saying this is me because, watch this, I see God brought you out. And if he brought you out, maybe he'll bring, maybe he'll bring me out. We got, we got to be willing to testify. We got, we got to be willing to open up our mouths and share. You see where I am now? I ain't always been here. And you be careful because some of y'all, I see y'all, some of y'all front. Some of y'all front for real. And I don't say nothing. I'm just saying something publicly because I want to help you. Because... I have the unfortunate benefit of knowing a lot of folk business. I, ain't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't just want to do this. Just by virtue of my position, I know a lot of folk business. And I hear people compliment you about where you are, and you act like you've been there all along. I just smile, but every once in a while, like you, that I like... It would be so much more of a blessing to other folk if you wouldn't just act like you've been there. But if you would acknowledge, I appreciate you, man, for the compliment, but give me two seconds, brother. Let me just really share a real scoop. This is where I used to be. This is what God did. This is where I am now as a result of what he did. And I give God all the praise. Because if you come out of hiding, you will force me to come out of my hiding. Because where you was is where I currently am. Come on, somebody. And if I see God did it for you, he'll do it for me. And maybe I can have the same testimony that I am where you are right now because I went through the same process. Can somebody shout glory to God? Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, stop hiding. Look at him back. Look back at him and say, don't be ashamed. Don't you be ashamed. God has been good to us in this place. He's been good. And we are in a good, somebody, somebody just shout, I'm in a good place. Shout again, I'm in a good place. One more time, shout, I'm in a good place. True, you in a good place. But the people that's complimenting the good place you in need to know, I ain't always been here. God has done something in my life. So what you do is you open up based on the pain and the passion. Tell them I'm done. It's amazing. It's amazing. Because the book of Hosea is not just about the people. It is about the experience of the prophet. One of the problems I've had with it, I've always looked at it by the message of the people, which is that's in context, and I understand that. But for the first time, God gave me understanding of this particular story because I just didn't look at the message to the people, but I looked at the experience of the prophet. And God has allowed many of you all to experience both pain and passion. Not many of you all, all of us. Pain and passion. Why? Because this is the foundation 
that you're going to stand up on when I tell you to share a message to the people. I heard somebody say years ago, it was, it was at a concert, and this guy was ministering, and he says, God, break our hearts with the thing that breaks your heart. And I realize now, he's been doing that all of my life. You, you, ever, you ever wondered why you was just troubled by something that seemed like everybody else didn't have no problem with? Like, this just greed. I know, I know everybody's with it. I know everybody's doing it, but I'm just, I'm, I'm just kind of grieved about this thing, and I really don't know why. God showed me that this, this week, that feeling that you have, I'm just letting you feel what I feel. Because when I give you an opportunity to speak to it, you'll have the expression of pain and passion to be, able to, to be able to rightly give the word that I want to the people. Because we are ambassadors, we are representatives. Watch this. An ambassador is not just a parrot. A parrot can express words with no emotional connection at all. But God says, as an ambassador, I want you to be able to say it with the same feeling that I'm feeling it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody shout, God, I'm sorry for being ashamed. I'm sorry for being ashamed. I'm sorry for being ashamed. I have no reason to be ashamed. His goodness overrides my shame. Heads bowed and eyes closed all over this building. This is a passionate moment because of the pain that you've been experiencing. And that many of you all in this place, you've been experiencing the pain of consequences of sin, consequences of being your own Lord. But today Jesus says this is a passionate moment. I want to extend my grace to you if you will accept it. I want to extend my mercy to you if you will just receive it. What I want to give you now, you don't have to work for it, you just have to receive it. If you can, just open both the palm of your hands openly as a sign of receiving now. Receive, 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 receive. Receive. Somebody's receiving the forgiveness of sins right now. The Bible declares if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all. Come on and receive it now. There's somebody you've been struggling in your mind, and now, now, God, God says, receive, receive peace type of peace that surpasses all understanding. Come on and receive now. God is pouring it from heaven now. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody is just weak in their bodies, weak in their being, but God says receive the strength of the Lord now. Receive, 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 receive. Somebody in a season of decision making and God says receive wisdom now. Pouring out wisdom, instructions, knowledge, Receive, receive. Father, we raise our hands. We raise our hands as a sign of surrender to you, God. Because we realize we cannot do life without you. We know that the scripture teaches that if we believe that God raised you from the dead, if we believe, if we believe, and God, there are a lot of believers in this place. They believe, God, the story. 
of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But today, we go to step two, God, and not just believe, Father, but we allow you to be the Lord of our lives. We allow you to take control. Everybody shout, Lord, take control of my life. God, we give you permission to drive, Lord. And wherever you desire to take us, Lord, whatever you desire to do in us, Father, we relinquish authority in our lives. And we say, have, have your way in us, Jesus. Come on, come on, make that declaration today. God, have your way in me, Lord. Have your way, God. Thank you, Jesus. Even when I see the car going in a painful direction, even when I see myself being driven in a passionate direction, I'm going to say it's okay, Lord, because as long as you're driving, some type of way you're going to work this together for my good. So I relinquish authority. I relinquish authority. I relinquish my rights now. And I give you full control of my life. Come on and make that declaration. Everybody shout, Lord, I give you full control of my life. We give you full control, God. We give you, we give you full control, Jesus. We give you full control, Jesus.